Hi, we're Phil and Jen, and welcome to our podcast. This is the very first one for 2022, which is exciting. We got a new year. Uh, this is uh, season three. It's called We Can Make Change, and we're picking back up. This is episode nine, and this one is all about hope. Yeah, but before we jump into that, as we start this new year, we just want to pause and say thank you. We are so grateful for you, for our listeners. Um, Last year at this time, we were actually transitioning out of our role of leading the church that we planted and led, and we decided that we wanted to keep going, that we wanted to keep helping people and teaching and leading, but we wanted to see what that could look like in other contexts, and we had so many ideas and fun things we wanted to try, and this podcast is one of those things, and we've just been throwing this out there to the world, and we're just having so much fun, and we're learning so much. And we are just really grateful for those of you that have been reaching out via email and Instagram messaging and the texts that we've we've had. We've been hearing from people we haven't heard from in decades and yeah. people from all over the country and, and even the world, which has been so fun just to hear really the way that um, it's been impacting you. And most of those stories that we've heard are really like personal and um, meaningful, and we don't take that lightly. Um, we just, it's such an honor to hear from you and the ways that this is, um, making an impact in your life and, um, encouraging you. And so we'd love to keep hearing from you. Thank you for those of you that have been doing that. And, um, one thing that is really helpful is if this is something that you're enjoying, if you would, um, just share it with someone that you think would also enjoy it because we want to get the word out and our heart is just to help people grow in their spiritual lives, in their relational lives, and we're hoping to do that and continue to do that through this podcast. What else do we have going on? We've been doing coaching. And so it's like spiritual direction, spiritual growth coaching, and um, marriage coaching, and even parenting coaching. And it's been really fun. It's something that we just absolutely love doing, and we are uh, been doing more of it. And we're actually really excited to really lean into that in the new year. And if um, you're listening and that's something that you're interested in, uh, we just invite you to go to our website, check it out and uh, hit us up and let us know that you're interested. Or if, even if you just want to ask questions or inquire about it, uh, we're doing sessions. So uh, we'd love to have you. And as we are heading into the new year, man, we've just been thinking about how can we you know, continue to help encourage you. How can we continue to um, just speak like hope really into what's going on right now in this world? Like there's just so much going on with the new wave and a variant spreading across our country. There's just so many unknowns right now and it can feel a little hopeless, right? And so I was thinking about it and I was thinking that it could be great just to have Phil kind of pastor us. And so I actually said, hey, what if you just kind of like even sermonize us today? Like just speak hope into us. Like why should we even have hope right now? <laughs> right now? You know, is there anything to even be hopeful about as we're heading into another year where there's just so so much going on? Because if we're going to make change in ourselves or the world like we've been talking about, then we have to have hope that things can actually change for the better, right? I mean – both in our personal lives and as a society. And I know so many people right now, they feel spiritually severed. I know we've talked to so many people in this place where just, I mean, statistically, even if you look at it, like there's this massive decline of religious identity and more and more people are finding themselves 
as religious nomads, essentially. And at the same time, there's this rise in people searching for knowledge about God and seeking out spiritual practices and service to the world and still holding on to the heart of, of the thing, right? So still holding on to, it's not like they're throwing out their spiritual lives. Um, Mark Laberton, the president of Fuller Seminary recently said, not everyone wants a pastor, but everyone, everyone wants pastoral guidance. And I think we all need guides. And so I thought, Pastor Phil, <laughs> what if we could, you could just do that for us today. What if you could just kind of speak hope into us and guide us a bit? Why should we have hope? <laughs> I haven't given a sermon in a long time. I know. How do you feel about it? I'm excited. I'm right. actually a little bit intimidated thinking about it when you brought up the idea. Um, okay, I'm just going to sit back right now and listen like you did for me that one time. And then okay. I'm going to jump in at the end. Maybe I'm just, I'm not even going to interrupt you. You want to just go? I will. I, this morning I sat down with a piece of paper and wrote down a handful of thoughts. And I, that's what I want to do. I want to speak hope. I want to speak hope into us today. And I don't know where you're at as you're listening to this geographically or emotionally or spiritually. Um, we're all in really different places in a lot of different ways in what I've been observing in my own life as well as the lives of a lot of people around us um, is there's like a, we're just in like a deep wrestling right now. I remember at the very beginning of this, when I was leading uh, the church in Costa Mesa, right when the pandemic started, I actually remember having a conversation with my friend, Kevin, who leads the church in Hawaii about what was going on because we were ahead of Hawaii on the mainland here in California. And California was ahead of a lot of people with the shutdowns and um, a lot of the mandates to flatten the curve in the beginning uh, when the thing first started. And I remember Andy Crouch wrote this article um, that I think he called it Leading Beyond the Blizzard or, um, hold on, I Leading Beyond the Blizzard, Why Every Organization is Now a Startup. And this was like at the very beginning, the man was like a prophet and he said that there are three ways to look at what's going on. He said there's such economic and cultural shifts happening because of the pandemic that he said it's, it's either going to be a blizzard, a winter, or what he called a little ice age. And he said a blizzard is like an event. And he's trying to coach churches and organizations and nonprofits how to essentially approach the way they're entering this pandemic season. Um, and he said it could be a blizzard where it's like an event. It's a snowstorm. And you kind of hole up for a couple days or a couple weeks, maybe just a week, and then it's going to pass and then you move on. And a lot of people were doing that at the time. And he's like, I don't think that's very wise. And then he said it could be a winter, which is like a months long event where things shift and things shut down in certain regions of the country. We don't understand that here in Southern California, um, blizzards or winter or any of these things. But apparently there's places that it, like it gets cold. And people have to change the way that they operate. And it's months at a time. And then he said the, that some people are operating that way. And he's like, that's a possibility. But he also said there's a third idea that he called a little ice age. And 
He said in 1816, it's known as the year without a summer, because he said there was an eruption of Mount Tambora in what is now Indonesia, which led to a worldwide ash plume that reduced solar radiation and it caused a widespread crop failures and unprecedentedly cold temperatures with frosts across Europe and North America, even in the summer months. And they, they came to call this as the Little Ice Age that ended up causing a several century long cold, like reduction in temperatures in the Northern Hemisphere that absolutely shaped European history in really, really profound ways. And what he was saying is, this pandemic is more like that, he thought at the time. Like, this is like a little ice age. And his argument was like, everything is a startup now. Everything is starting over. We're never going to go back to normal. We're only going to move towards a new normal. And he was saying this like in the very, very beginning. And I remember reading that and talking with pastors and talking to my friend Kevin in Hawaii. I'm like, dude, this, this is an ice age. He's like, what are you talking about? And that we were laughing about it recently going, um, dang, like this really has been as long. And like the changes are so severe in a lot of ways. And I mean, there's, it's just so much. The fourth wave of this virus. I, I was talking to the boys and I was like, well, that's before the virus. I said that phrase like, well, that was before the virus as if it was some historical, it almost felt like we were talking about that. Well, that was before the zombies came, you know, when we used to go outside. And it, it was like, a, there's what happened before this and then there's what's happening after. And we don't even really know what's, what it's gonna be after because it just seems to go on forever. And we, it feels like we're out of it, we're out of it, especially where we live. It's a very conservative area um, where, I mean, there are schools that are like no masks allowed here kind of thing. Like this isn't happening. Um, so, I mean, th there's people here thought we were beyond it and then we're not. I, I think I just read this morning that there's like a million cases right now after the holidays in America of this new variant of this pandemic, um, man, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot. And there's like, like, like this morning, I was supposed to fly tonight to El Salvador with a couple of friends on a short trip um, to go to El Zante uh, for, it's gonna be fun and also some scouting out for some stuff that Jen and I wanna do, events down there and, um, just found out like an hour ago, two hours ago, that the trip is canceled. And we are not going tonight to El Salvador because um, several people that were going um, ended up positive uh, with uh, COVID. And like as of like this morning, and we're like, okay. And what's funny is I was telling Jen, I never allowed myself to emotionally be excited that I was going. Like I never allowed myself to go, yes, I'm going to go on a surf trip to Central America for four days with my friends and scout out this next fun new thing we're going to do down there as, as like for our work and what we're doing. And um, it was like, well, maybe. Even last night, I'm like, maybe. We'll see. And uh, yeah, so when I found out, it, I, I wasn't even let down. I just never let myself build up. And it's like, well, I guess we'll do it later. And then I called my other friend 
who's coming, who lives um, in a different county, and let him know that it was canceled. And he wasn't like, we're leaving. Like, he literally already packed his surfboards up. He's packed his bag. He's like, we're going tonight. I was like, hey, man, it's canceled. And he's just like, oh, cool. Um, I guess I'll just figure out how to get credit for whenever this happens. And I was like, yeah, it, it was like both of us knew there's this acceptance, which is interesting because I feel like with what's happening, there's been so much loss and there's been so much grief and there's been so much change and there's so much unknown and so much isolation and like pain, honestly. There's just mental health. It's hard right now. And... uh yeah, it's just it's this like communal experience of loss and grief, and it's almost moved into a place of acceptance. But in that acceptance, I feel like um, there there's like this. There's a couple of ways it can go. It can be like an acceptance. Um, what was the name of the? I I know you aren't commenting, but here you are. <laughs> Well, um, the name of the book that we read about um, the Holocaust and the guy who came through it. And we both just read it. I know. It's on our nightstand right it's now. It's on my nightstand. <laughs> Shoot. I don't know. Um, we referenced it before. I'm blanking right now. I will remember in a moment. Me too. But he talked about in the concentration camps you could tell when someone was going to die because it, it was within a certain number of hours when they gave up mentally. And they, it was an acceptance of like death and loss and, and um, despair. And then they knew that if they accepted it within hours, they would be dead. And um, it was almost like there's an acceptance of despair. <laughs> like, like, is this going to, change you know um but i i also feel like there's like a different kind of acceptance that can come through this which is like a there's like a struggle where you're fighting against something and fighting against something and fighting against something and then there's like a release and an acceptance when you stop fighting against it but with the hope that you know you're going to get through it i don't surf big waves but from what i've heard and read from people that do they say when you get held down by a really big wave or if you get held down by several waves, if you fight it really, really, really hard, your body actually uses up the oxygen that you have much, much faster. And then you end up running out of air and you can drown. And they say the thing you're supposed to do is actually accept what's happening and almost get... Man's Search for Meaning. Man, That's the name of the book. Man's Search for Meaning. Um if you accept and then you allow yourself to just get ragdolled with it, you actually conserve your oxygen and your energy, not in a, like a death run where you're just accepting yourself unto to death, but you're actually accepting in a way of hope that you will be released at a point and come up. And then at that point, you'll have the oxygen to keep going. And I, I almost think about it like that. There's this, for me coming into the new year, it feels like this moment of acceptance, but but with hope. Um, like like our, our kids went to school yesterday and one of them said, 50% of my classmates weren't there. 
like they're all home quarantining right now with with something um and and it's like okay you know what i mean there's like these different ways that you could step into it or um i mean i could give a thousand examples of it but i i actually was reminded of the scripture in the new testament in first thessalonians 4 chapter 13 when he says he's the author is speaking about the fact that this community of first christians who've heard about jesus who've experienced the spirit in this sort of post-resurrection world that is transforming people to give themselves for the healing of the world there was this early hope that nobody would die if jesus had risen perhaps God was transforming the world so quickly that like, that's it. Like, boom, we're here. And he's going to show back up at any moment. And we're all like, this is like, we arrived, then people started dying. And, and so this, like First Thessalonians is written later in the time frame of when these books in the New Testament that we have were written. And people are starting to die. And the author's trying to speak into that because people are freaking out. They're like, whoa. This wasn't what we signed up for. Like, what are we supposed to do with that? Like, my uncle died. Like, Jimmy's gone. Um, you know, my cousin, whatever. Like, it, and he writes this line. He says, we grieve, but not as those without hope. It's something that I think of like, in terms of, like, funerals and when people pass. As a pastor, I've used that line many, many, many times from that scripture, sitting with people in my own life, in my family, with my kids. And it's always been this anchor. Yes, we grieve, but not as people without hope. And it's like there's this acceptance, but an acceptance of, of hope that this isn't the end. I don't know how many waves there are going to be. I don't know what is going to come next. I don't know if there's another natural disaster around the corner or if another business doesn't like make it or if another area gets hit. I don't know. There's, there's another passage in Hebrews 6, verse 19. It actually, like it's, it's like it's, it's, it's on the same vein, but it says, like, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. But this hope is like an anchor for the soul. There's, there's something about hope in, in uncertainty and hope in grief that anchors you to where you don't just get swept away in it. Firm and secure, which I love that, that there is this this hope that we have, that this is not the end. This is not the end. This is not how this story ends on planet Earth. This will pass and we will emerge from this. And it feels like this is a moment when perhaps we stop fighting each other <laughs> and we stop fighting ourselves and we, we lean into this acceptance with hope that this is not the end. It turns out that 
historically, even since the time of Jesus' death and resurrection, there's been all kinds of calamity and pain and loss and suffering. Like the, the, the thing about Jesus is he, he never promised to keep you from all of that stuff. In fact, he, he said there'd be all kinds of chaos before the end of all of this age, whatever that is. <laughs> um, this, this isn't the end. He, he doesn't keep you from that. But his promise at the end of the book of Matthew was simply that he would be with you until the end of the age, that, that he is with us and that he is for us, that the Spirit is with us. The Spirit is with us. I, I, I actually think as Americans, I can speak perhaps for Americans who consider themselves part of the Christian movement, I, I actually think that we've just become really entitled and selfish and we've lost sight. And I think that, that this pandemic is like a great revealing. That's what apocalypse means. This is our apocalypse. <laughs> this is our great revealing. And I, I actually think that's okay. What's funny is I've heard this time being called by Christian leaders, spiritual leaders, um, the great Western spiritual apocalypse. Because so many are disrupted and like Jen was talking about earlier like becoming spiritual nomads like like wondering about their religious identity and I don't think that has anything to do with the power of the spirit and the reality of the spirit I don't think that has anything to do with people embodying resurrection life and having their own lives transformed. I don't think that has anything to do with um, people pouring themselves out for the healing of the world. I, I don't. I mean, I, like any genuine embodiment of the death and resurrection of Jesus and the movement of resurrection life, I don't, I think it has everything to do with recognizing what that is and the actual hope that Jesus speaks of and proclaims versus what is being embodied and what we've seen in the years past and currently. People are just, to me, it's not a spiritual apocalypse. It's actually a great awakening. I think this is a moment, to me, that people are finally waking up and that people are saying we don't want to have our spirituality brokered by these particular institutions and told what it looks like to experience resurrection life for the healing of the world. We actually want to embody it ourselves. Even before the pandemic, some ludicrous percentage of teenagers were leaving churches after they graduated high school. So, so they would, something in the 80s percentile, I remember back when I was a youth pastor. Um, and so essentially the, the statement was when kids graduate high school, they graduate church and they don't come back. And there was like kind of a freak out. But, but the whole thing was, was interesting because the single biggest qualifier of kids that would actually have some sort of real faith and embodiment in their life once they left home was what was embodied in the home. 
And it's interesting because how, like, as I observe how few adult parents have like deep friendships with their adult children. Like there's something that happens with kids and their experience of home. They're like, it's, it's easy to modify people's behavior. Like as a child, like you, with punishment and reward systems, you can modify people's behavior. You can control them. You can shape through fear, through reward and through punishment, both threatened and actually lived out. <laughs> you can modify people's behavior to a point until they leave and then they're gone. <laughs> and then they have to figure it out for themselves what their life's going to look like. There's just a lot of people who have that experience with their own parents <laughs> um, and, their, and their own kids. And it's, it's almost kind of the same thing. It's like the kids of the church said, nah, <laughs> I guess we got to figure this out. Um, like instead of like the, the statistic, the statement, the understanding, the correlation was actually quite different. It was like, you know what? For those who actually embody the thing and live it out and then help their children really understand who they are and who they're genuinely becoming and then help them grow into that. There's an incredible like connection and adult friendship that happens as you empower them in their journey. And it's kind of like that's what's happening, I think, now in this sort of movement. I, I, I actually have a hope that it's like a great awakening. I think it's a great awakening. Jesus promised to be with us in all of this, the spirit to be with us to the end of the age. Perhaps this is just like a great pruning and a great reshaping to a genuine embodiment of what it looks like. I mean, so, so 1 Corinthians 13 picks up on this hope idea and it says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But it says the greatest of these is love, which to me I think is fascinating. So, so, so in this moment of like acceptance and hope and awaiting the next, what this new normal looks like that we're merging into, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to come. I, I'm like anticipating like wave 37 because I, that's just where I'm at now. Like it's okay. I'm, I can, I've found a pace and a rhythm and spiritual practices and a way to like embody and live into this faith, hope, and love in my own life. But what I, I love that verse because it's like, well, what is the thing that you can focus on right now? And I think it's love. The greatest of these is love. Like, how are we leaning into love? Loving ourselves. If, if, if Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love God with your whole self. Um, this is the second. Um, it's like it. I just got lost in my own quoting of that verse. <laughs> I actually looked out the window at this tree and there's these birds in it and I just totally zoned out. Um, love, love the Lord. Your neighbor. Your, yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with your whole self and then love your neighbor as yourself, he says. It's, I mean, that's like the core of everything that he says, I mean, the whole thing is about how do we love ourselves? And then how are we actually 
loving other people. To me, I, I, I think that's like the crux of the hope. So my oldest son just had a birthday yesterday and we were sitting at, at, um, at our dinner together celebrating him. And we always have these affirmations that we have of each other at our birthdays. So everybody has to think of three things to affirm, three words, but then explain those words. And then we record it each year and then all of us have it. It's really fun. Uh, and, and this time before we had these affirmations, we paused. He, he just turned 15. And we just stopped for a moment and we said, what? Like, we asked him some questions. Like, what's been the greatest part of your last year? And he just thought for a long time and he started listing off these things. And then we're like, well, what was the worst part of your last year? And then what are you most looking forward to? And how have you grown in this last year? And who have you become? And as I was thinking about that with us and this sort of, sort of accepting place with hope, but like leaning into love, we can't control much at all. But what we can control is our own internal mental state, our own processing of our emotions, who we're becoming, and then how we're treating the people closest to us that are within whatever sphere that we have. And so almost in the same way with Caleb, I would, as we're talking about hope, I would ask, who are you becoming right now? Who are you becoming? Out the other side of this, whatever that is. <laughs> Who or what is this thing making me right now? What practices am I living into right now that are helping to shape who I am? What's been a blessing? these last few years. Like, like there's, there's a lot of hard, but there's so much good that's happened in these last several years. Like, like what's been a blessing? What am I hoping for right now? What am I hoping for? How can I love myself more in this time? How can I love other people that are around me more in this time? It's, it's like very, very simple. What do I need to pick up right now? What do I need to restart? What do I, like, like the boys and I had this real intentional father-son path that we were doing together. And actually in the last several months, we've spent so much time together since Jen and I are working out of the house that that intentional time that we've had in our like father-son path has actually fallen away. And I just realized, oh my gosh, I need to pick that back up and restart that right now because I can't let the general time of just hanging take away from this really special intentional time that they love and that I love. It's like, I, I need to restart that right now. Um, I need to restart it. And so I think as we're in this place of acceptance with hope that this is not the end, that Jesus is with us, that the spirit is with us, that we are still being transformed, that he promises to be with us to the end of the age. That, that through death always comes life. Through death always comes life. That there's like the, the whole movement of the spirit is a resurrection movement, embodying healing, embodying resurrection life for our own healing and the healing of the world. Man, there's incredible hope in that. 
And I think the way that we see that lived out is just through love. So who are you becoming? What practices are you living into? What are you hoping for? What do you need to pick up and start or restart as you're heading into a new year today? Because this is not the end. And though we don't know what's coming, we do know that we're not alone, that the Spirit is with us, and that we're becoming certain kinds of people through this process that are going to shape a certain kind of world for whatever that new normal is. And I want to be a part of this world that is embodying resurrection life for its healing and its flourishing and its fullness. Thanks so much for joining us. You can check out the website at philandjenwood.com for resources, events, and coaching for relational and spiritual growth. Until next time, keep going, keep growing.